And welcome to User Words Podcast, Monday edition. Um, so it's about to be the year 2020. Uh, when this comes out, it will be December 30th, 2019. And you know what? 2020, it's going to be uh, an interesting year. We, we got elections going on this upcoming November and all the primaries and all that are already you know, getting geared up to go. We're seeing debates on the Democratic Party. We're seeing all this fun stuff. Uh, we're seeing the Senate impeachment trial will start sometime early in the next year, you know, whenever Pelosi hands over the articles of impeachment to the Senate. But, you know, that's not for right here, right now, right now. Uh, it, and Virginia has become something of an interesting place to watch as 2020 starts up. Now, if you have not been following along with what has been going on out there, the quick and dirty of it is that the governor, Ralph Northam, has been pushing for new gun control legislation. And with the recent elections that happened this past year, the state House and state Senate has flipped, actually, from Republican to Democrat. And when this happened, he said, oh, I'm going to reintroduce this legislation, this gun control legislation that I want, uh, pretty much knowing that more than likely everything he wanted would get passed. Well, it, it passed. Well, I shouldn't say it passed. It looks like it's going to pass. Uh, it will be debated pretty early on once everything kind of resumes. and. It's already, without even passing, has started creating a lot of repercussions in the state. So, as of December 19th, 2019, there are currently 94 cities or counties that have passed local resolutions declaring themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. Now, those on the extreme side will say, well, these locations are not going to uphold the law. But, and honestly, what they're doing here is just kind of political. It's hyperbolic. It's maybe trying to put uh, some pressure on the local representatives that are representing those areas. So, and the reason I say that is these locations will still need to uphold the law. Uh, like I said, the most part, these resolutions are political statements, they're symbolic, and they have no actual authority and bite behind them. According to Richard Schrager, who is a professor at the University of Virginia School of Law, during an interview with him, he said that in Virginia, state law supersedes local law. So in that case, since this will be passed at the state, that will supersede whatever a local city or county will pass, and citizens and local officials have to comply with state law even if a county declares itself to be a Second Amendment sanctuary. In other words, in Virginia, no matter what your city says, the state law comes and says, hey, we got it. Now, some of you might consider uh, this like allegorious to where places are not working with ICE, and there's... and that is fine at the local level. That is a whole different dynamic, and I just want to make sure that that is understood, that that is a different dynamic when you're having a local versus federal versus local versus state. In this case, the Constitution is pretty clear that the state can override the federal, or the city can override the federal too if it's allowed by the state, and that's not necessarily the case city to state. All right? So these laws are being talked about. These sanctuary cities are being created. These, All these people are up in arms. But what is fact and what is fiction about what is in these laws? So one of the biggest reasons that the Second Amendment sanctuary cities have been popping up is due to the language of one of the laws introduced into the legislation regarding gun ownership. The law as written goes after people who currently own weapons. Now, to be fair, 
there was someone who was quoted as saying that the law will be updated to include a grandfather clause for individuals who already own assault weapons with the requirement that they register the weapons before the end of a designated grace period. That was uh, from Northam's spokesperson, Elena Yarmosky. So potentially we'll see something like that pop into these laws. But as of this time, as of 12-28-2019, that is not in there. So everything I'm going to be talking about is current as of today, December 28th, 2019. And when I say it's, it's current, um, I actually have the law, the bill, the proposed bill pulled up on the screen reading it so I can see if there's been any recent changes on this. So let's take a look at some of the things that this law actually states. If we look at lines 433 through 437 of this bill, it states, and what I'm doing is I'm taking the text of the law here and I'm removing any of the words that they cross out. Because if they're crossing it out, essentially what they're saying is these words aren't going to be part of the final legislation. So the uncrossed out words state as follows. It's unlawful for any person to import, sell, transfer, manufacture, purchase, possess, or transport an assault firearm. A violation of this section is punishable as a class six felony. Now, what I find interesting on that is that on line 433, they remove the word possess. They uh, essentially put a line through it so that way that line, that word is no longer part of the bill. But then they reintroduce that same word back on line 436. Not sure why they did that. Maybe it was an edit that they didn't mean to do and they like, oh, we need to reintroduce the word. I don't know, but it is there. So if someone starts to say, well, no, we, we took out possess already as of 11 to, or 1228, that's not the case. So if you notice in this law, it says that it's a ban on transfer, manufacture, possession, transport, whatever, of an assault firearm. So what exactly is an assault firearm? Well, and honestly, there's no definition of what a, an assault firearm is that's kind of universal. That's a kind of a politically made up word. So the army has a definition on an assault rifle, not an assault firearm. So an assault rifle has to meet all of the following conditions for it to be considered that. It must have selective fire. In other words, it must be able to switch between semi-automatic, burst mode, and or fully automatic. It must have an intermediate power cartridge. Now, an intermediate power cartridge is a, a round that has more power than a pistol but less than a standard rifle or battle rifle. Its ammunition must be supplied from a detachable box magazine, and it must have an effective range of at least 300 meters or 330 yards. If it has all of those requirements in there, if a weapon meets all those requirements, in other words, if you have a weapon that does everything but selective fire, it's not an assault rifle as defined by the Army. If you have everything but it doesn't have an effective range of 300 meters, it's not an assault rifle. An assault weapon, though, on the other hand, like I said, it's that's a politically created terminology. It, it, what they're trying to do is simplify the categorizations of guns and laws. In the case of Virginia, how they describe an assault weapon is interesting, to say the least. So here's some of the highlights of what this Virginia law considers an assault weapon. Again, if you want to look at this law as is, I have it linked in the show notes. And all this information starts on line 398 of the law. So here's what they consider assault weapons. A semi-automatic center fire rifle that shoots single or multiple projectiles with a fixed magazine capacity in excess of 10 rounds. 
In other words, translated to normal English, a rifle that shoots one or more bullets when you pull the trigger. So in other words, semi-automatic or burst mode with a fixed magazine greater than 10 rounds. So if you have a fixed magazine of 11 rounds, you all of a sudden have an assault rifle. Congratulations. Now, there's other definitions of assault weapon here. And this a semi-automatic centerfile rifle that shoots single or multiple projectiles, okay, that can accept a detachable magazine. What's interesting here is that there is no size, so it's not saying a detachable magazine greater than five. If it's a detachable magazine that only has a capacity of only one round, you fit half the definition. Now, that being said, the other portions of this definition have to be met. So it has that detachable magazine and has one of the following. A folding or telescoping stock, a pistol grip, a thumbhole stock, a second hand grip, a bayonet mount, just the mount, not an actual bayonet on it, a grenade launcher, I can agree with that, a flare launcher, a silencer, a flash suppressor, or a muzzle brake. Or it has a threaded barrel that can accept a silencer, flash suppressor, muzzle brake, or muzzle compensator. So even if your the barrel of your weapon, of your gun, is threaded, so that it can accept one of those attachments, that makes it fall under an assault weapon per Virginia definition of this proposed law. Now, if you're thinking, okay, that's the rifle, but I have a pistol, I'm good. Well, sorry to say, they define pistols as well here for you. So in their line of work, a pistol, a semi-automatic pistol that can fire single or multiple projectiles with a fixed magazine capacity in excess of 10 rounds, you're automatically an assault weapon. However, if you have a semi-automatic pistol that can fire single or multiple projectiles that can accept a detachable magazine and has any of those uh, conditions from the semi-automatic rifle, there you go. You have an assault weapon. So if you have a pistol that can accept an external, a detachable magazine and the barrel is threaded so that way you can attach anything to it, you have an assault weapon. Shotgun with revolving cylinder is also considered an assault weapon. Or if you have a semi-automatic shotgun that shoots one or more projectiles that can accept a detachable magazine, has a fixed magazine excess of seven rounds, has a pistol grip, a folding or telescoping stock, or thumbhole stock, congratulations, you have an assault weapon. Now notice for the detachable magazine, again, they don't specify a max or min on that. It's you have a detachable magazine, congratulations, you have an assault weapon, period. Again, this is what the law is as the proposed law is current as of 12, 28, 2019. And various people have been upset in Virginia because of these new proposed regulations, uh, obviously because of these new sanctuary cities that are coming online here in Virginia. But there's another side to this as well. The economic impact of the local communities, this will have potentially impact on small stores that sell weapons, you know, as they say, local mom pop shops. One of the local news stations went out and interviewed Andrew Gilliam. He's a gun store owner, so you have to remember there's going to be some bias in what he's going to say because he is in this process of selling guns. This is his livelihood. This is his life. But he did talk to the local news station, and he said the following. That's what's going to get people a little bit upset because in that bill, it says possession of these firearms, and that could turn a lot of Virginians into felons overnight. He then continued, without fully understanding what an assault firearm is, this takes away 80% of my retail. The other 20% of my retail can be bought on Amazon. You start losing mom and pop stores and people won't have anywhere to go where they can do background checks and transfers. They won't be able to transfer any weapons. It's going to create some serious problems there. 
That's kind of a big ripple effect with some of these bills. And what he's saying is factually correct. As how it is written right now, you're going to take a lot of people who have purchased weapons legally, gone through all the proper channels, and overnight, if this becomes law, they will be technically considered felons. Now, hopefully, the governor does go through with what he said he's going to do and make an exception for people who already own these weapons. So that way, they are not labeled as felons. Now, I will say this. Some of the representatives who support this legislation are being, they're exaggerating how bad it is right now. And they're doing this to sell why they support the bill and hopefully get others to support the bill. For example, Kevin Plum gave the following statement to a news station. Citizens possessing what is essentially a machine gun, you can call it a high-capacity rifle or whatever, it's essentially a machine gun, is not necessary nor is it desirable in a civilized society, and nor is it necessary for public safety. I'm going to have to go on the record here and say that these guns that he's talking about are not machine guns. If you take a look at the definition of machine gun, you find the following information. A machine gun is a fully automatic mounted or portable firearm designed to fire rifle cartridges in rapid succession from an ammunition belt or magazine. As a class of military rapid fire guns, machine guns are fully automatic weapons designed to be used as support weapons and generally used when attached to a mount or fired from the ground on a bipod or tripod. Many machine guns also use belt feeding and open bolt operation features not normally found on rifles. Now, what is interesting there is that first sentence there. A machine gun is a fully automatic. Well, we can stop there. It is illegal unless you have very, very, very specific circumstances that allows you to get a permit to buy one. For 99% of people, you are not getting an automatic weapon. 99% of people are getting the standard semi-automatic. Semi-automatic means one trigger pull, one shot. None of these rifles, including the ones that everyone loves to demonize, the AR-15, that's not an automatic. It's a semi-automatic. It's the same as a pistol. It's the same as a shotgun. It's the same as... You want to be consistent, you know, an old muzzle-loaded weapon. Technically semi-automatic, one pull, one shot. So since everything being here is classified as an assault weapon does not even come close to being defined as a machine gun, if I'm being honest here, this seems, this bill, it seems more like a political movement and less a movement based on facts. What are your thoughts on this? What do you think about the gun laws in the U.S.? Are they too strict, too lenient? What about in Virginia? Should the Second Amendment sanctuaries, should they be allowed to let guns do as they please there? Or should they have to bend to the state's will? Should this be challenged in courts? And if so, what portion of it? Should the governor allow for exemptions on those people who previously purchased these guns legally? There's a lot to think about here. But for the most part, we need to start looking at facts and not emotions. Because ruling on emotions, that means these laws will be outdated next week when our opinions on everything else changes. <laughs>